Welcome to the Food Safety University podcast, episode number 29, brought to you by Dirigo Food Safety and Dr. Michelle Fannensteel. In today's episode, part five of the new plant manager series, we have a very special guest. We're going to be talking to Travis Stockstill, aka American Butcher, who is a production manager at a USDA inspected facility. He's going to be sharing with us some of his approaches to management, culture creation, uh, production scheduling, and he's going to share with us some of his experiences in this industry as both an individual contributor and a manager. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Food Safety University podcast presented by Dr. Michelle Fannensteel of Dirigo Food Safety. Tune in to learn about food safety and processing in plain terms. We'll break down the ins and outs of HACCP, the food code, and much, much more so that you can easily implement and manage your own food safety program and even have some fun while doing so. Welcome everybody again to Dirigo Food Safety's Food Safety University podcast. Um, I'm your host, David Zarling. Senior Associate with Deergo Food Safety. Thanks for joining us again in our new plant manager series. Uh, this is the next installment, and we're gonna we're gonna take a little bit of a break uh, from what we've done the last couple of weeks, talking about gap audits, and we're gonna have an interview today with and with an actual manager who makes food. Um, Real quick, just to recap, last week we talked about what a gap audit was and why we do it. That was a question that I've been asked a lot over the last month, and so we explained that. And then the weeks before that, we talked about different things that we audit when we step into the role of a plant manager, whether it's a new plant for us or an old plant to us and we're new managers, whatever it may be. We are outlining a quick roadmap in this series to talk about how to take the reins, step into your role, and know what you're actually managing. <clears throat> and so today, uh, we're going to talk to a, a real boots in the ground manager, someone that I have known for uh, many years and have worked for. He was my boss, and uh, he has managed some some really cool facilities in the West Coast uh, since then. And his name's Travis Stockstill. Uh, you may know him as American Butcher on instagram and uh we have a podcast together called the meat block podcast if you've never heard it's all about the meat industry in in, in particular so uh thanks for coming travis thanks a lot uh, I, I didn't want to tell your whole bio so maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself um well uh thanks david uh great to be here <laughs> in my laundry room um but no uh yeah i've known you for uh for as longer than my son's been alive and i for the last uh five years uh been mostly involved in um rte production management and helping run uh three production lines simultaneously uh you know um raw sausage uh smoked and a cure line as well um, operating several smokehouses, uh, smaller staff, but, uh, still, um, there's still leadership that's needed and still confidence and cross training and all that, um, you know, to ensure quality and wholesomeness makes it to the end consumer. 
Yeah, you yeah, you say you had a small staff, but uh you guys produced a lot. A lot of very complex uh products too. Um a lot a lot to consider from a food safety and, and operation standpoint. A lot to wrap your head around as a manager. Yeah, our uh for example, like our um with our three smokers, we, we would be smoking, you know, fifteen hundred pounds of bacon. Um on a day that we chose to smoke bacon, about thousand pounds of ham, we do about fifteen hundred pounds of uh, uh, smoked sausage from Lanyager to pepperoni. We um, made all spices in house, so there was a lot of um, steps and things to ensure that the process was done, you know, correctly. Uh, where most places um, get an outside source. And then bring in uh, spices to fill an existing, you know, standard meat block. Uh, and with a large menu uh, and clientele reaching from uh, a retail package you may get in a store to a high-end restaurant in downtown Seattle. Uh, and you want to keep everyone happy and being whole carcass. There, you're even though we had larger volume, you're still limited by. Uh, how many center cut steaks come on um, swinging, swinging carcasses. So, What do you mean? You can't cut the entire carcass uh, into ribeyes? No. <laughs> that makes me think of a funny story that's completely off topic. <laughs> uh, listen to our other podcast for that story because it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's a lot of that's okay. So you're not you're not not only are you mixing spices there, which is a probably you probably have a whole other hasp plan for that. Yeah, but you're also doing not just fully cooked RTE, but like shelf stable RTE, which is a, a whole other set of complex complexity. Yeah, and not to mention that uh, four of our uh, sausages uh, contain allergens, um, and yeah, so we did. Uh, fully cooked uh, shelf stable um, we did uh, heat treated not fully cooked and then uh, what uh, heat treated uh, not shelf stable yeah <laughs> a, lot, a lot it's been a while since I've had a sample then we also did um, we had a full uh, raw, intact, and non-intact line as well. Okay. So uh, th- this is this is very complex operations management, um, and not something that you can just do. So what 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 got you into management? Let's let's back it up a little bit. What got you to this place of of complexity and, and expertise? Uh, how did you decide to get into management? Is, is it, was it a conscious choice? Was it something that just happened? It's something that just happened you know um you know i i listened to to your podcast uh this podcast uh and you talk about all these programs and systems and i'm like swinging in the dark because it's like you're laying out something that i wish was there for me um you know good material to rely back on where a lot of what i had to learn was being in the trenches being frustrated and then really learning how to work with people and at the same time maintaining the standard that the company wanted. Um, 
Yeah. So like w- with me, it's, I, I, you, you know me, I have at sometimes the gift of gab of being able to talk and be relatable, um, have a in-depth conversation about politics where at the end, no one knows my political beliefs unless you truly know me. Like I could, I could find common ground and find things that help people want to be there every day. And when you're working with a small crew producing thousands of pounds of product a week, I'm talking small. There's the, there's only like 10 of us there. You know, these people, you know, their kids' names, you know, what school they're going to, you know, their habits, you know, like you could tell when someone's going to have possibly a, a blowout hours before they do, because you just know their body language after seeing them for so long. And, was, and I just became good at recognizing and helping people work or working with them to achieve the end goal. I think I started learning that over 10 years ago when I started working in the slaughterhouse where it's just like you, you have a lot of machismo, you have a lot of things, but you also got to get the thing done. You can't have hurt feelings, but you also have to be respectful and things like that. Uh, and then I don't know if that answers your question. But. <laughs> it, 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 it does very well, you know, um, and you know, so what, what it sounds like to me is like you were a high performer. You were a highly skilled technician. Mm-hmm. You were a great butcher, right? But this could be applied to so many industries. You were a great butcher mm-hmm. because you were the hardest working, or the or the or the best butcher, or the most whatever it was, the most enthusiastic, the most curious, the fastest learner, whatever it was. Maybe all of the above. You were put. You were offered a job. Mm-hmm. More. Yeah. It, it, so, like the first um, managerial position I ever took was uh, a HACCP tech, and I was in. Uh, over and it was like the first time I was given like um, accountability responsibility. You know, it's one thing to be like responsible for something, but now I'm responsible for you know uh, things that carry a lot of weight, a lot of uh, weight for to ensure good uh, quality product and a lot of legal weight as well. Um, and when I would notice a problem, one of my and the plan at the time was to find out like you put your initial here just let me know what happened in stand etc and that supported to me was the trimmers and then the final packagers in the uh, raw processing room and then from there I was um, online and I connected with a small butcher shop who was looking for a, a manager to run their um, a situation where I wish more homework in. But I was young, I was naive, I saw the idea of like, oh, I'm going to be it's my first general manager position. And, um, you know, it was very humbling because I knew the, the cutting, I knew how to do the orders and I knew all the stuff, but what I didn't know is how to deal, uh, or how to find common ground or work with the people who hired me. Um, it was, it was a very difficult situation. 
um, I found it very toxic. And um, luckily, in that in that situation, in that timeline, I met my wife, and um, I was able to accept a production management job in San Diego, and was able to move away from that situation. But I learned more from that toxic environment than I had anywhere else. And by no means should anyone ever go seek that out. It's not an educational experience I wanted, but it allowed me to be like, I will never talk to people like that again, or I will never allow someone to talk to me like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're bringing up so many things that, so many things um, that are so relevant to, to what we're talking about. You know, you got put into a job that you weren't necessarily looking for, but, but, then were put into it and developed your own skills because there wasn't a roadmap in front of you. You developed these skills based on what worked. And mm-hmm. you've, you've told me a little bit about you, your, your ma- first manager at the slaughterhouse was your brother. Yeah. And I remember you telling me something that stuck with me my entire career. And I've actually told other people this, you told me that people that worked for your brother never, they like they were terrified to screw up. And I said, why? Because he's crazy. You know, and you're like, no, because they didn't want to disappoint him. Yeah. You told me that the first couple of days we were working together, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <clears throat> that really stuck with me. Um, that, that really stuck with me and, and, you know, was kind of the first time I had heard somebody talk about management as, as like a relationship building exercise, like that being a main component of, of, of being a manager. Yeah. Um, and and that's how you approach management too. It sounds like, yeah, because like I, people are people. Yeah, quote to quote the song. Um, so that's why there's erasers on pencils. People make mistakes, right? So when someone makes a mistake, you want to find out what what caused the mistake, and you also want to create an environment where it's like they're comfortable enough to come up to to you and admit that the mistake was made. Last thing you want on a production floor is someone with a secret. Um, you know, because that means that something's wrong. They're not asking for help. And if they're not actively like, like if they know like this probe fell out and they're, they think that they're going to get into trouble and they could, but they know the computer software just enough where they think they could get, get it by. And it's like, you want to create an environment where that doesn't even come into their head. You want to create an environment where you're approachable, where it's like, and you could still express disappointment in the fact, but you berating them and being like, what the F or anything like this isn't going to change the fact. And it's not going to make them want to come to you with anything else. And it may cause you to lose someone who is otherwise a very good person working for you. Uh, That being said, there are people who are not not good who may be in a um in a position at work where they may not need that much responsibility if it's something that and then you address that and you tactfully uh change it um so i think with with my brother it's like he would when someone would come come to him and let him know like he he would say like yeah man that sucks but well we got to deal with it. So I'll help you deal with this out. Like, like what happened or like if something, you know, like, um, 
someone would be like, I didn't want to tell you, but our our cooler temperature is this things like, you know, thanks for telling me, not telling me is bad. Let's let's just do a couple monitors. Uh, let's do it together of what things are reading right now and let's document it. And if we need to adjust it, let's go from there. So Yeah, I I appreciated that approach. You know, you you taught me from a from very early on what high standards were. And you also told taught me that there are lots lots of ways to skin a cat, mm-hmm. but integrity was always like on top of the list. You know, you took the regulations very very seriously. You took slaughter very very seriously. Like, <clears throat> yeah, that was uh, you. You know, you've had that with you for a long time. So that's that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so that's that's the people part. That's that's the culture that you create. You know. Mm-hmm. It, culture of accountability but approachability it sounds like if i had to describe it in a couple of words yeah um what about operations you i mean what was it like when you when you started at that really complex plant and you had all those products um what do you do when you come into a new facility when you're when you're a manager in a new place how do you wrap your hands around everything that's going on there uh where, where do you like to start like what what advice do you have for some of our some of our listeners that want to get into this sort of work but aren't really sure where to start if they got the job? My advice is to have clear definition of level of um, I guess no I I don't know how to word it have communicate with your employer the expectation of timelines. Uh, because you're not going to walk in and know every skew. You're not going to walk in and know every process. But you could, when you get hired, get their menu, get a digital copy or a a or, uh, of their HACCP and their flow, and their um, and and start there. Uh, it, it is one way, but it, it, it's really. It's really defining uh, the timeline and knowing that, like, you know, it may take you six months to know, like, there could be like a complicated job that you accept, like, like, um, I know there's a place down in California that's looking for a slaughterhouse manager that for a mobile unit, one of the things is like, but there's a six months grace period until you're running on your own. So who's going to be, yeah. So who's going to be training you in the six months? Um, but when I go into a new facility, I want to know what they're making. I want to know, uh, my team, uh, I want to know what their, what are their daily responsibilities and duties? Uh, I don't like the, well, we all do everything and we all pitch in. That's all great. But I need someone who could always pitch in on doing this specific paperwork, only that person. And if that person's not there, then someone could pitch in and do it else. You, you know, like I love the we're all in this together attitude, but so much stuff gets slipped through the cracks that the other person's got it. Yeah. Like, like defined job. Yeah. No, or, or job description. Yeah. It, it, I just see it as like the, uh, the two 
outfielders running together, getting the ball, and they both miss because they hit each other because they could have just realized, like, well, that guy always catches it, so he could get it. And if yeah. it comes over here, I will get it, or you know, but yeah, but they just as yeah, so. So so it sounds like you're you're grabbing the product specifications. You're looking at uh, their process flow, their hazard analysis. You know the food safety program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like you're wanting to know what the organizational chart looks like. Like who who does what? Yeah. So like when we were doing, uh, and I, I I took this back when I worked retail. Uh, that we we would have a board, a whiteboard, and like Monday uh, through Friday. And if you're seven days a week, then that's fine. And just know like you everything in red is a is a cooked product. Everything in uh, green is a raw product, or vice versa, but whatever. And you just know that like all right, so this goes into the smoker this day. That means it will be packaged this day. And these are just set things. So it yes. sets the expectations for like what the week is going to be like. And like, okay, so we have these set smoke schedules that we always are going to do. And in those downtimes of those smokers, we have fresh sausage, cutting, and special orders. So I would be... One thing I find very frustrating at places that I have worked is the surprise aspect of now we got to do this. And it's like, well, you've known about it for a while. And it's just putting it all out on the board where all your employees could see. And then I really encourage having a team meeting every morning for maybe five minutes, not with your whole staff, just with key people in it and be like, all right, you got heat and cools from yesterday. Okay, cool. Do you have, uh, uh, the CCPs, I'm going to do pre-ship everything from this lot. And you're, could you be responsible for seeing this uh, project through? And will I have the break sheets by the end of the day? And just that little bit of conversation helps ensure. And then just little checkbacks like, all right, we're making 2,000 pounds of sausage today. Go up to the person running the VMAG and ask like, all right, where are we? How many batches in? And uh, then just knowing like to, you get to know the ebbs and flows of like, you know, this much may, it takes this much time. I need this many people on, but it's not something that you just walk into a new facility. It's something that like, once you know how fast a process is, you can apply it to a facility, but you still have the human factor and things like that. Yeah. 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 Um, sounds like delegations are really big yeah. part. Yeah, and I, 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 I don't like the term delegation because I always view it as like a, a cop out of like, of that it's somehow diminishing your level of responsibility. But I like to think about it having, like, but you need it because like I don't know. I refer back to this guy who I worked with who was a terrible, terrible manager, and he wouldn't. He's not terrible in the sense that he like, it, he just said. Oh, and I don't want to do something. I just have someone else do it. I just delegate it. Oh, oh. So, so yeah. that's why I just don't like that. That's personal for me. <laughs> but yeah, totally, totally. It, 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 yeah. it, I, but I like to think that, like, we're, you know, being a production manager, I'm in there. I like, I'm, I'll run the BMAG. I'll have a knife in my hand. I'll 
run over and do heat and cools, double check stuff and pre-ship if needed. I like to I like to always try to put myself in the floating position. Yeah. Yep. Um and sometimes, you know, if someone's sick, then I'll be doing I'll I'll run the vacuum sealer, you know, and just make myself stand in a position where I just have kind of eyes to to see. So I could, you know, see like, okay, this person's struggling with that piece of equipment. I'll I'll give it a little time before I walk over there and really find out. Yeah. Yeah, you know, delegation is kind of, I think it's kind of a, a, a dirty word that's been corporatized a little bit. But, <clears throat> you know, thinking about it, like intentional delegation, it's awesome because it's how, you know, when we have those job duties, we have, or we have the job descriptions where people have like their jobs totally lined out. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we're having like, periodic meetings maybe once a year twice a year quarterly where we're talking about hey here's some goals you're learning job a you're learning that the the labeling and scale mm-hmm. you're ready f- to look at some lateral movement because you want to like continue to grow in your position so you're going to learn something else you know delegation should be intentional i think you know yeah a- and rewarding yeah a- another thing too <laughs> I don't know why I just thought this. We're talking about job descriptions, but how many times have you heard someone say, that's not in my job description? <laughs> how many times have you said that? <laughs> I know I've said it plenty of times. I've said it too. Um, <laughs> and that's why like one thing I like to do when I'm writing job descriptions for other for people, I say this may include vacuum sealing, uh, sweet, uh, light cleaning, including the bathroom. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> that just made me think of something else. Um, yeah. 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 I, I think that that, I think that's really important and, and to share some of that stuff. You know, I think one of the, one of the best things that we ever did at a plant that I worked at is that each one of the production units. So slaughter, raw fabrication, inventory, QC, value added, shipping, receiving, something like that. Um, they would all take turns on a rotation cleaning the break room and the bathrooms. Boy, those rooms stayed a lot cleaner. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, once uh, we, we had to implement something like that, where it was like it, it was just getting bad, and then like then COVID hit, and no one used the break room anymore. <laughs> but everyone had to take break breaks outside. Yeah, yeah, that was rough last year, huh? Uh, I, yeah. Sometime we'll sometime we'll have to have a discussion about uh, being a butcher during COVID and the things that you experienced. Yeah, and then the whole managerial aspect of getting, even right now, getting people on board with the simple task of taking the temperature and wearing a mask, and then coming at it with a a point of uh, not rolling your eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really hard, especially in some communities. No, people are refusing to get the vaccine, not wearing a mask, not washing their hands, not letting you take their temp, refusing to answer questions. That's, I'll, I'll take the heat on this one. It's very selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my daily responsibilities now is asking people a series of questions and taking their temperature. Yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, uh, it's a, Hey, <laughs> it's, resp- that's the responsibility I don't want to have. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of really crappy stuff being a manager. That's for sure. 
especially if you take a stance of being a servant, like we've talked about, you know, we're there to remove the speed bumps for the individual contributors to like really, really rock and like do their best. And mm-hmm. uh, Well, there's a fine line too of being like the person that people could relate to and talk about like how, like me relating to someone and wanting to get the best out of them and all fairness, like I don't want to know their strifes or their problems. I don't want to know their, uh, I want to know when they're struggling and they need to take time off of work or they have to go do something, you know, for their kid. Cause we do, we want to create a work environment that that's good and healthy, Yeah. but I don't want to cross the line into, I'm not going to hang out with you on the weekend, you know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's great advice. Super good advice. I don't, I don't claim yeah. this to be good for everybody. But keeping your personal life personal and keeping things professional, being friendly, being a friend, you know, being, being supportive, being, you know, tell me whatever you want, but, but keeping, keeping your personal life to yourself and having Mm -hmm. segregation as a manager is, is hands down the most important tool out there, I think. Yeah. And I think it's, 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 it's hard and there's like blurred lines too, especially with social media that like I may post something of my son on uh, uh, Facebook and then a rapper will come in to work and say like, oh, what were you guys doing last night? And then I'm like, I don't want to talk to you about this. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really hard one. That's a really hard one. Yeah. We won't even get, we won't even get to the bottom of that in this episode, but um, I do really appreciate you sharing kind of your approach to, wrapping your hands around what happens in a plant you know i my takeaway was you're walking into a position where you've already established your culture you've already mm-hmm. established what the tone that you're going to set and the, and the type of culture you're going to bring to the establishment that's that's you you bring that with you you know what that is mm-hmm. would you what, what's your advice for for a manager um as far as creating or, or like identifying their style or their, or the culture they want to have, like, is it how conscious of a decision should that be? Or do you think that that's something that just comes over time? I think it has to be conscious because when I, when I was uh, younger and was given a little bit of power and roles at companies and things like that, I was certainly unpleasant because I didn't know, you know, if someone messed up, I, I would be mad. It wasn't like a a healthy response that I had. I would, you know, if someone missed something on trimming, I would, I would make it so they knew that I was upset. I wouldn't like scream and yell or anything, but I'd be like, Jeremy, what are you doing? And it, it's just trying to, and knowing now that like these people have many reasons why they're there working. It's not a lot of people's dreams and goals to be a line worker in a food production facility. So I don't want to make their life or the eight hours that I spend with them five days a week difficult. Yeah. I, I, I want to make it a job, but I also want to make it like what gets if, you know, a lot of line workers, um, allow people to wear we have earmuff ear protection 
you know so we you have the option to listen to music through one ear in there mm-hmm. if that because you're doing a lot of solo mundane tasks mm-hmm. and if that makes you makes it easier for you to be there then that's awesome uh you know i want to i don't want to make we've had that in our lives mm-hmm. where we where it's so hard to get out of bed because you're going to a place that not only is hard on you physically but yeah. the management is brutal on you yeah. for no reason other than they can be yeah yep we and there's been times where I, back when I used to smoke, I would chain smoke in my car in, with anxiety, you know, like seeing what it was going to be like when I walked into the facility. Is this person going to say, oh, hey, good morning? Or are they going to look at me and say, we're really in the weeds? Like somehow, me being there on time put them there. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. So, yeah, we've definitely had that in our lives, no doubt. And then also working with my wife for three years really made me realize I can't be a jerk. So. <laughs> when I worked with your wife for less than a year, it made me realize I shouldn't be a jerk. Yeah. So. She's always the brains behind all the operations. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. No problem. It's been interesting. I, I learned some things today and, uh, yeah. Again, this is Travis Stockstill, American Butcher on Instagram. Um, just just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to meat and meat processing and people and uh, conspiracy theories, uh, mm-hmm. UFOs, murder mysteries. Oh yeah, I got them all. Crabbing. What? Crabbing. Crabbing. Yep. Crabs kill JFK. Yep. Yep. So he rolls it all into one and uh, knows just a ton about compliance. Uh, food processing, uh, regulations, <laughs> auditing, all kinds of stuff. Um, so if you uh, want to get a hold of him again, American Butcher on Instagram, um, the Meat Block Podcast, his podcast, uh, please check him out and uh, send me any questions that you have for Travis. He can come back just about uh, just about any time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, David. And I'll s- see you Friday. All right. Yeah. I'll see you Friday. Thanks for listening. Before you go, click the subscribe button and check us out at foodsafetyuniversity.com where we have free food safety guides waiting for you. Until next time, keep up the great work. 